1: At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, on the eve of our Independence Day, we take a pilgrimage to a forgotten place, Hussainiwala, which has played a pivotal role in the story of both pre- and post-independent India.
0: I think Kargil was a more natural interest because these were all guys like my my dad. My dad did the more... I suppose people would call it unglamorous work during the Kargil war, but he was also deployed, not not in Ladakh, but in another area in the Western sector, because you couldn't be certain that Pakistan would not sort of invade from any other part of the border. And my mom was expecting me. In fact, she was, I think, in her fourth or fifth month of pregnancy and my sister was three, three and a half, and my dad was out, so she was looking after us. And so there was a bit of a family connection as well to Kargil in that sense.
1: I sat down on a Wednesday afternoon with a boy who hadn't been born during the Kargil war. Today, he's a bright young man who has just finished his master's in literature. But we weren't talking about the Kargil war or our shared love for literature. We wanted to talk about a place which lies forgotten in the annals of Indian history a tiny village on the border of Indian Punjab and Pakistan.
0: We happened to be going to Himachal on a a Diwali vacation kind of thing. And I said to my parents that, uh, so you're going to be heading back to Delhi from Chandigarh. So just give me two days. I'll catch up with you. I want to go to Husainiwala. And my parents agreed because uh, I, I suppose they understood my interest in it.
1: Does Husainiwala ring a bell? I'll confess, I had no idea about the place till Varun. But going to Seniwala is not just about a young man wanting to travel solo, a little away from the company of his family. If you're an Indian who even remotely paid attention to history at school, I don't need to tell you who Bhagat Singh, Sukhdevan Rajguru are. And while we know them for throwing bombs in the Central Legislative Assembly in April 1929 and their subsequent voluntary arrest, we don't know what happened to them post their sentencing.
0: And the interest had become two-pronged by then because I had learned that Bhagat Singh, Sukhdev and Rajguru were cremated there at wala They had been hanged at Lahore Jail and uh, the British, because they had essentially executed them in the after the judicially correct or appropriate time, they needed to bring the remains out of the prison without agitating the crowd that was outside. And so they'd broken the back wall of the prison and brought the remains and driven them to Ferozpur, which is not not very far away. And they tried to sort of cremate the bodies by the banks of the Satluj without anybody finding out. But I think villagers sort of had a certain that something was afoot and they They came and they found out what was happening. And subsequently, the British sort of, they fled the area because you're not in any position to sort of, they weren't an armed party in the sense that they could take on an entire village. So they sort of ran away and the villagers then sort of undertook the decision. They decided they'd do the last rides themselves. So those two things sort of came together for me and I said, okay, let's see if we can make this trip happen
1: But Husainiwala is not just the place where these three revolutionaries were cremated. Even after independence, it continued to remain critical to the story of independent India. It's one of the few battlefields in India which are accessible to citizens.
0: It's an open memorial actually. There's a big uh, statue of uh, Bhagat Singh, Sukhdev and Rajguru over there. And the army has of course installed its own memorial because uh, three military actions have taken place at Usainiwala uh, since independence. So they've installed that memorial as well. And uh, unlike most battlefields in the country, actually, it is publicly accessible. So there are battlefields that are not otherwise accessible, like the ones in Ladakh. You can see them from the highway, but you can't really trudge up those mountains because that is an active operational area for the army. Similarly, in the Northeast, where my grandfather spent a lot of his service, a lot of those areas are also not easily accessible. I don't know whether I'd ever be able to go and see the area where he did transport drops during the 1962 war with China. But this was right there and that sort of made me feel that, okay, if, this can, if we can accomplish this visit, that, that'd be great.
1: But the place where the freedom fighters were cremated was not always in Indian hands.
0: Funnily enough, this is actually there in the Rajkumar Santoshi film on Bhagat Singh, uh, which has Ajay Devgan playing Bhagat Singh. And there's enough sort of historical record going around as well. And which is why the memorial was installed over there. Initially, that area wasn't with India after the Ratcliffe Ryan was drawn. But then we initiated a swap with the Pakistanis. We gave them some part of a, of the border areas near a place called Fazilka in Punjab. And in exchange, we asked for this because our government, I think, uh, felt that Bhagat Singh is a freedom fighter of India. He has nothing to do with Pakistan. Even though he was alive at the time, the demand for Pakistan had become a vocal one. I don't know what was his level of engagement with it, whether he was interested in, you know, trying to bring those people over to, the, to a different way of thinking. But that's how we managed to get this parcel of land over to India and we installed a memorial there. And I think in the skirmishes that have happened uh, over there and the battles that have been fought over there, a lot of times the target has been the memorial itself. There's been a time when they've sort of uh, removed the memorial and taken it away. And we've had to either install a new one or go through diplomatic channels to get the memorial back. So, and with Bhagat Singh, there was another thing that about... I think 16, 17 years ago, my my dad had a boss, General Shonan Singh, who was Bhagat Singh's nephew. He was Bhagat Singh's younger or youngest brother's son. So, and we'd met this gentleman, right? Because he's, he's your dad's boss. You're seeing him at an occasional social do or whatever. And he was of tremendous fascination to us for that reason. And he is in his own right, a very accomplished army officer as well. And that sort of also made me think of my interest in Bhagat Singh having existed since I was about three years old, meeting this gentleman maybe when I was six or seven and then now a growing interest in what Bhagat Singh was because naturally we've sanitized him for our own consumption in contemporary times. But yeah, I mean, the the idea of him being cremated there was, was quite... It also spoke very poorly of the British because you've been so brazen enough to conduct essentially a kangaroo court, you might as well have the gumption to go through with what you decided to do. But they'd only ever held on to India by force and by crookery. So, this was in line
1: with their manner of doing things. Varun's visit to the memorial had one rather sobering reality. The coldness of that winter morning was only betrayed by his lonely presence. He was the only one at the memorial. A lament to our indifference towards our national memorials. That too for Wala, a place which is known as the land of the martyrs.
0: I was not surprised if I'm honest with you, because it's not my experience of visiting places of historical significance. In general, leave aside the fact that it has anything to do with the army. Because if you put the army into it, people are even more disinterested in our country with just the historical significance of it as a place where freedom fighters were cremated, I have had a poor experience with fellow citizens to that end because I've gone to a place like Cellular Jail in Port Blair. And over there, they've got a mock-up, a recreation of the gallows that were there in the jail. And uh, because that hut is open, people can go in. And we'd gone, I think, in 2010. So I must have been 10 years old. And there was a senior citizens group that had come from Pune. And when I say senior citizens, they were people who probably knew of cellular jail at the time that it was still a prison operated by the British. And such elderly people were going into that uh, mock up gallows and putting their heads through the noose and wondering how it must have hurt. So I realized very early in life that we have very little respect for places of tangible historical significance. And so it's not surprising to me if I go to a Husseinwala and find it empty. It was just one of those things. You're used to it. So the Husseinwala memorial itself is actually at the old Husseinwala railway station. So the frontier mail, which is today called the, I think called the Golden Temple uh, mail or the Golden Temple Express, it today runs from uh, Bombay to Amritsar. Uh, back in the day, it used to run from station in Bombay that was called Ballad Pier to Peshawar. So, Hosseiniwala is where it would cross into Western Punjab, essentially. And so, the station is is still there. And if you sort of peek inside, the tracks are still there. And, you know, but there's a lot of damage to the structure itself, naturally, because you've had armored battles, you've had uh, artillery firing that has happened over there. You can see bullet scars on the building. So, the memorial itself is, once you've crossed... The barrage over the Satluj is that it appears on the right hand side, it's a small opening. The first thing that you actually see is the army's memorial to the battles of uh, I think 1956 and then uh, 1965. 1956 was a smallest skirmish fought by a unit of the Jammu and Kashmir Rifles. 65 was of course during the war. And then a much larger memorial to the defeat we suffered at Hosseiniwala in 1971 when uh, a unit from the Punjab Regiment, 15 Punjab uh, were they fought quite bravely but they were vanquished and uh, in fact they had a number of people who were taken prisoner and never heard of again. They became known as uh, a, a group of people known as the Missing 54 prisoners of war from India who never came back. And Abutting that memorial of 15 Punjab is the large sort of railway station remnant that stays. It's got the ticket window and all that is there inside. On the other side of that, of the building is a small sort of platform from where there had been a an address by the prime minister a few years earlier, or maybe the same year, I'm not sure. And it opens out into a large sort of, it overlooks rather a large, just it's like a garden, essentially. But it's quiet. There's, there's trees. They've recreated the old train tracks in the sense that they've put up a structure over there to sort of help you figure out where the train tracks were. And of course, you've got the columns on which the train tracks were erected. And then on the other side, as you actually what what faces the station itself and the army's memorial is a statue of Bhagat Singh, Sukhdev and Rajguru. Uh, It's in it's all in black. To my disappointment, they had chosen that to depict Bhagat Singh with a turban. Again, part of our history revisionism because he was an atheist uh, and an avowed one at that. And uh, you've got a small tablet which is a memorial to uh, Bhattukeshwar Dutt, who had of course thrown the bomb into the assembly with Bhagat Singh. His ashes were brought there when he died. And there's also a memorial to Bhagat Singh's mother. She is known as Punjab Mata, Vidyavati. Ji. And so they've got that, but it's largely an open area with, you know, a little, little bit of construction here and there, a tablet with an inscription to tell you uh, what the memorial is about. And it's essentially, it's like stepping into a time that no longer exists because you wouldn't see so much open space in a town anymore. If this memorial were to be inside a town, we'd surely have sort of some real estate developer would have asked for some part of it by now so and it's quiet you can see the international boundary is actually quite close so right behind the statue actually at the time that I visited at least was a, a wire fence but that isn't itself the border the border is slightly further down the road where there's a gate uh, with the border security force they do a closing gate ceremony similar to what happens at Atari border only I'm told the ceremony at Hosseiniwala is far more dignified and more mature <laughs> and not as
1: theatrical. <laughs> I'll be honest when I say that I'm glad that the ceremony isn't theatrical. But in popular perception, I did not enjoy the Vaga border ceremony. For it came across as a jingoistic display of national pride, with far lesser regard to those who made the supreme sacrifice for the nation. I would much rather listen to thoughtful people like Varun, for whom the visit was also personal. For his father's unit, two Maratha light infantry, valiantly defended Husainiwala, in the war with Pakistan in 1965. It was led by Colonel Terry Nolan, who sacrificed his life in this era.
0: So, the thoughts were sort of split into two halves. Uh, much as I call myself a Fodgy Kid, I'm primarily a Maratha Kid, which is my father's unit. And I was there to see where they had fought. Because my father sort of got posted out of the unit and never really went back when I was very young. I was maybe about four and a half years old my memories of the unit are few and far in between so this sort of made me form some kind of a bond I would say with it however one may view it as being very theoretical or not not really a bond in the manner that one would think a bond should be formed but it also made me think of the unglamorous battles as they are right because this is a battle that was, they were a unit that came in from Mathura. They weren't stationed in Firozpur beforehand. They came in literally days before. They secured the area if they had, and they faced an enemy that far out outnumbered them. And an enemy that had tanks. They had some artillery support and they were an infantry battalion. And that was it. They had no, they may have had a few maybe anti-tank guns in support, but otherwise they were all on the ground. And if they had not stood firm on that ground, they would have essentially the road to Punjab and the hinterland of India would have been open for Pakistani armored columns to come in. This is still in the early days of the war. So even though it's a short war that you couldn't let the enemy have that kind of a bargaining chip. I was just standing there and thinking about that really, because like I said, battlefields aren't accessible in our country. and I had had this opportunity and I was standing there and I, much as I would like to say I could picture them, I couldn't because you can't really, you know, all the photographs that are there of the time are black and white for one. For another, I have never had the opportunity to meet somebody who who has fought in the Battle of I've I have known people who know people. My father was very close to an officer who fought there, one of his very dear friends from the unit. His father fought in that battle. So that way you do know a lot of people, but I've never met anyone. So I, all I could do was picture it. And to me it was just, you know, very sort of understated battle because it's it's long forgotten by... well one wouldn't even say the nation i would argue that people within the organization also probably are not too familiar with it because like i said it's not glamorous you're not it's not border it's not uh, loc Cargill. it's not uri the film but it reminded me of the things the how often the freedom that we have is because this was a real life live example of it that the freedom we have today is Paid for with, with blood even after independence. Much as we might want to be more politically correct about it, there are people who would not like us to have that freedom, both within our country and outside of it. And here I was standing somewhere where people had, where two different generations had sort of died in essence to save their country. Whether it was Bhagat Singh or whether it was Colonel Nolan, the CEO of Tumarata, these were people who had gone there knowing, who had done their job knowing the dangers that came with it. And it was, it was overwhelming, of course, but it was also because we don't, we've not grown up glamorizing deaths or the supreme sacrifice as it were. It was also a very sobering experience in that sense that you do realize just by going there, that the cost of freedom is immensely high. That it's, you know, there are people out there who are putting their life on the line to stand up for what people might like to think of as an abstract concept, but which for 70 years at least has been very formal and very real for us.
1: The war was also significant to another group, the people of Hussainiwala.
0: Years and years ago, the citizens of Hussainiwala had presented to uh, marathai with beautiful uh, replica of the bridge at Husainiwala as uh, which commemorated the unit's defense of the town and of the memorial that was their way of saying thank you and it's uh, it's in my father's unit's officer's mess it's, it's got its own sort of place of pride and whenever we had the opportunity to visit since the time we've known of the significance of Husainiwala it's been something to see because it tells you that the immediate citizenry remembers today in that town a 60 a 70 year old gentleman or a woman will definitely remember and because it's a smaller town uh, their children are likely to remember because things don't change into indifference very quickly over there that's not a pattern associated with small towns so i i would like to believe that given that That uh, memento exists, and I have seen it. It's the citizens were grateful, and they were, I'm sure, they were proud because it is their army after all. Because the people I have interacted with, by and large, are indifferent to the armed forces. I said, maybe that I know for a fact it's not the, the case in the small towns, because especially not in Punjab, where literally every household has produced a soldier it might ring true for other parts of the country where not as many people join the armed forces but it made me uh, sort of consider the fact that yes there are at least people out there in the civilian world who are who do acknowledge uh, the army's work in times of war because in times of peace you don't really need to that, that means the army is doing a good job if you are not thinking about them during peacetime that means the army is doing their job
1: but this visit was significant personally, not only for Varun, it was even more significant to a woman in Australia, the daughter of Colonel Terry Nolan.
0: To me, I think the, the message that mattered the most was from a lady in Australia. The unit was to Maratha Eli, was commanded by an officer called Colonel Terry Nolan at Hosseiniwala. Colonel Nolan made the supreme sacrifice at during the battle. And That message I received was from his daughter, far away in Australia. And they had migrated there subsequently after Colonel Nolan had passed away. And uh, she sent me a lovely message. And I had not expected the blog to go that far. To receive a message from her was, I think, it was stupefying because it was just so out of the blue. I didn't know anybody who knew her. But I think the person who essentially facilitated my trip to Sainiwala, like I said, uh, someone I call Mani he sent me a message. He's been my father's colleague and friend for about 30 years now. He said, I think your visit and your peace have served their purpose. You've received a message from Colonel Nolan's daughter and the family left India so many years ago. I was dumbstruck completely, and it was and it was a positive message. So it wasn't like she was upset with me or something. Uh, and it was very sweet of her to to sort of reach out to me. And another thing that I felt a great satisfaction about was that one of the officers who fought in the battle, he later became a major general, General K M Palande. His son has also been my father's colleague and friend for many years, Sameer Uncle. Sameer Uncle essentially supplied me with the facts and whatever documented history is available. And uh, he to to have that kind of a, uh, you know, to be able to just ask him with a text, can you clarify this for me, and uh, was, again, it was overwhelming because it also spoke the help I got from him in writing the piece in some parts. Uh, the fact that my trip to Husainiwala was facilitated by somebody from the unit it spoke a lot about the brotherhood in the army, the sort of that we look out for each other in a far greater way than is imaginable otherwise. And I could essentially just pick up the phone and, you know, ask one of them for help. And it was, yeah, I think that that message from Colonel Nolan's daughter was just something that, uh, and it came to me quite a few, I think it came to me, Two years after the blog was published. So she'd not found the blog when it came out. I presume it. she stumbled upon it when doing a Google search on her father or something like that. But it meant a lot to me. And, you know, it's one doesn't write with, I at least don't write with that expectation that somebody will say, Oh, I write for myself exclusively. I'm very pompous that way. But that was the one time I felt that the writing has achieved something. I would say, perhaps even bigger than the book is the fact that that message came to
1: me. I remember having a lump in my throat when Varun spoke about this. I put myself in Colonel Noran's daughter's shoes for a moment. To see a citizen completely unknown to you, reflect on the sacrifice of your father and acknowledge it, would have been heartening and satisfying. The two Marathalite infantry led by Colonel Noran not only defended Usaniwala, but they also ensured that the Samadhi of Agat Singh remained untouched by the Pakistani army. One martyr for the nation honoured another one, and both made the supreme sacrifice. I hope you are listening to this on the eve of our Independence Day, and I hope that it makes us reflect that our freedom is not free. Our social fabric seems to be disintegrating at an ever-increasing pace, and by allowing that to happen, We are disrespecting the sacrifices that have held it up for decades. We are disrespecting what made our nation. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and We Travel42 on Instagram.